Welcome to Tweeters at 12, the podcast that's a contact lens for your third eye. I'm Mark. I'm Brent, and today's guest is Sean Thomason, a.k.a. The Thomason. Hey, Sean. Hey, Brent. How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> so, Sean, you're a, a writer and a comedian, and I think most people are probably familiar with you from, of course, The Wire. That goes without saying. Oh, naturally. Yeah. You, yeah. Wrote, you wrote most of The Wire. Uh, yeah. Word is out on that now. You Some know, people it. didn't know for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote most of it somebody else wrote some of it i forget his name it's like, uh, it's like those uh <laughs> it's like those movies where it's got like famous people but it's uncredited you know michael jackson shows up but it's uncredited not anymore naturally although he might <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> him him and tupac just in the background <laughs> tupac actually scored the show people didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> sean most people might be familiar with you from riff tracks and looking at your IMDb page, you were one of the writers for Manos Hands of Fate. Uh, oh, that, yeah. The, yeah. Is that, as far as you're concerned, the worst movie ever made? I mean, there's so much bad about it. <laughs> it's hard to choose. <laughs> it's like choosing between your children. Which is your favorite? I have a favorite. Oh, yeah, but... which is my, my favorite child to hate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as my parents chose, uh, Manos, the Hands of Fate is really bad, and it's really grimy and sleazy in a certain kind of way. Uh, I think one that might be worse, but that I have maybe more affection for, uh, is uh, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Yes, yes, um, I know Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Oh, Did, you're familiar? Yeah. Were you one of Sweaty. the... Dressed up as them. Oh, yeah, it's stuck in the sand, telepathically calls to the sure. children. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then for some reason stops to tell them the story of Thumbelina in the I middle know. of it. Uh, and the whole thing was promoting uh, this now defunct amusement park called Pirate's World in Florida. Um, Which where looked, they made like a, looked like a death the trap. Side. They had these weird riding oh, horse things that looked like someone's going to fall off and slice an arm off. Yeah, no, it's like uh, if you want to give your kid tetanus and maybe get rid of them, take them to Pirate's World. Uh, <laughs> Where a titty voice, will, a titty voice will narrate yeah. the story of Thumbelina as they stare right. for hours at a diorama. Yeah, and then a drunken Santa with soiled pants, and it's not clear what the soil is. Will 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 fa- will fail to save Christmas. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie. <laughs> it's uh, so were you involved with that project as well then? Oh, yeah, I was here when we got the VHS and oh, fell in love God. with it. Uh, yeah, I don't know who, who's made my IMDb page, but <laughs> I'm involved with pretty much everything Rift Tracks does uh, is, all, is all group written. So Well, you, um, you've been responsible yeah. for bonding between me and my kids. We've watched I oh, think, awesome. uh, quite a number of Rift Tracks, including uh, Manos of the Hands of Fate and Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, just because they are so famously bad. It's uh, wonderful to hear. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> delightful in some ways there's no other way i'd rather watch a really bad movie although i did watch birdemic recently without any oh, sort man. of uh <laughs> without any sort of dubbing which is too bad because really yeah it, it could have used something is there a riff tracks of birdemic there is it's so funny you should ask <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually it's one of my favorites we and we did a live show of that as well which is available on dvd but uh, yeah, or on our site. But no, it's uh, it's the live show was a blast to do. I can't believe that we subjected people to that movie in theaters with the kind of audio that that movie has. And uh, but uh, I, I would recommend giving another spin with the riff tracks. The first time I saw it, I was nauseated by it. Um, and thanks to time and Stockholm syndrome, it's become a movie I can actually <laughs> enjoy watching, even without jokes. So <laughs> speaking of the live shows, do you have any more of those coming up this year? 
Yeah, we got four uh, this oh, year. Can you tell and us? We haven't announced are? the title. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, I can't yet. Uh, there's a whole rollout announcement thing, but it will be soon. And I'm really excited. I can t- I can say that they are they toward a, they sort of skew toward the kind of movies we're talking about the the kind of weird bad how did this get made kind of movie. And some of them are pretty notorious, and I think people are going to be excited. But, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, four shows, uh, May, July, October, and a December Christmas-themed show. Nice. Last year you did did Godzilla 99 or whatever. Yeah, the broader one. And it was actually playing here in our city, which I thought was surprising, and I missed it. And then you did Anaconda first or Godzilla first? So we actually did we did Sharknado first, and then oh, yeah. uh, Godzilla, and then Anaconda, and then a, a Santa Claus Christmas movie. And Anaconda d- didn't play here. Uh, I thought, oh, oh I missed yeah, Godzilla, no. I'll catch Anaconda, but it, it didn't play here. Yeah, we're trying to get uh, more going on up there for for this year. Yeah. So uh, trying to expand and be more international. If you're if you're <laughs> a fan of bad movies, uh, are you particularly then a fan of movies that the Asylum makes? You know, Sharknado obviously is their most famous, famous offering, but they've they've done a ton of of mockbusters. So, yeah, is that is that uh, a company that you love to hate, or are the movies bad <laughs> enough? Are they bad enough to be uh, riff tracksable? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Riff track. Riff tracks. <laughs> yes, riff tracks worthy, like Sponge worthy in that Spinefeld Seinfeld episode. <laughs> are they riff worthy? Um, and I haven't got a riff to spare. No, uh, yeah. I, you know, I haven't really seen that many of them. We spent a lot of time with Sharknado, obviously, which at first I was skeptical about, but I, I came to kind of like, well, you know, quote unquote, like, I, I like organically bad movies. I like it when Good someone was really trying hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah right. You know, free range. Uh, I like it if the movie... The movie hasn't suffered. It's farm to table. It's within 30 miles of the restaurant. Oh, no. <laughs> Organically bad movies. When, they, uh, when someone was really trying to make something good, when somebody really thought that they knew what they were doing um, and it just comes out a disaster, that's, that's when it's the most fun. So sometimes, and I'm not really talking about the asylum here, but because but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's cool what they're doing and, and uh, definitely cool to be working with them. And they, and, uh, but in terms of like what is the most fun for me to watch, if I feel like there's intentional irony going on or somebody's making a bad movie on purpose, that just makes it a little less fun, I think. Agreed, agreed. I think so. Like Troll 2 was like bad and it was, I think, well-intentioned to be a – well, I think they intended it to be a scary movie, but it, it turned out it just was not. Uh, yeah. And what was, uh, what was another one? Final Sacrifice was another a Canadian production. Which I think was again right, right. Well, you know, we've actually be been screening movies this week. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Birdemic. Speaking of Birdemic and intentions, he um, <clears throat> James Wen, the guy who made that, really thought of himself and maybe still thinks of himself as the modern day Hitchcock, and really in his heart believed he was making a serious film and homage to Hitchcock. And oh lord, and you saw what happened. Yeah. Oh no, I know. Just uh, the aside. You know, polemics on global warming were just hilarious because uh, this earnestness, you know, I'm going to take a two, three minutes to just go on a little rant that nobody would go on. But yeah, uh, James <laughs> sounds familiar. Has he worked on anything else? Uh, Birdemic 2. No, <laughs> that's, nope, that's not what I was, which I've not seen yet, but I do. It's on my list. Uh, 
<laughs> he made one called Julian Jack before Birdemic um, that we may do something with down the road, uh, which is basically the same plot as Birdemic, but without the birds. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like a really bad, Demic. awkward romance Demic. between yes, two Demic. people. Yeah, hmm. yeah, just Demic. <laughs> so um, another movie that is, of course, more recently famously bad is The Room, and you have a yes. Rift Tracks version of that. Uh, what was the most unwatchable part of that for you? Was that the sex scenes? <laughs> I think it was, for me it was the sex yeah. scenes. Yeah, the first sex scene probably, The because uh, that's where you get the most of Tommy Wiseau's grisly ass. Uh, just... <laughs> Just, just uh, you know, clenching and writhing in front of you. Well, he seems to be uh, humping her navel as well. So, like, uh, he's just yeah. way too high. He's nowhere in the vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. The rest of the movie I could watch endlessly. <laughs> be, <laughs> well, especially the lovely establishing fun. shots of San Francisco. Oh my God, that movie was in San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> they didn't really make they didn't make that clear. <laughs> Oh, I love it. My favorite scene is probably the Chris R scene on the rooftop, though. The uh, the sudden, you know, Denny's drugs. The guy shows up <laughs> to shake him down for his drug money. Just out of nowhere, never comes up again. And then the mom is panicked afterward. What kind of money, Denny? What kind of money? I just hope we see more from him. Although I think after the fact, he's trying to position it that he intended it to be bad. But it was no Absolutely. it was no lost skeleton of his cadaver. That was clearly meant to be bad and it was fun to enjoy in that way. But it's yeah. you know, they, they know completely what they're doing from the get go. Tommy, I don't think so. No, he spent six million dollars making that movie. Well, in some yeah, ways it's, it's it's beautifully shot. Like I have to say the cinematography yeah. is really good. Uh but just everything else is bad. The writing, the <laughs> right. acting, you know, just but beautifully shot. Yeah. Nice cameras. Well, and when you see the, yeah, yeah, two cameras strapped together—a thirty-five millimeter and a uh, HD—that <laughs> he had pointed at the same. This, that's how he shot it. You know, he 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 said in an interview, he said he he wasn't sure which format he liked better, film or digital. So he shot them on both at the same time, with the two cameras strapped together, rolling the entire movie. Uh, not cost-effective. So what was his? Yeah, exactly. What was his deal? Was he a stock? broker at one time and just had lots of money to spend was yeah that- i think he had various business interests amazingly enough it's not be- it's still not become clear and he won't reveal where where he's from originally it's you know speculated somewhere in eastern europe but uh nobody really knows he must i don't know if he has a shady background or he's just private about that in particular but it's he's still and that's part of what makes the movie cool too it's a mystery who is this guy and where did he come from well, I hope I hope to see more from him and of equal quality, just because. Yes, yes, <laughs> it was so good the first time around. So you're yeah, also exactly equal quality. Yeah. So you're also writing for uh, you've been or you have worked with Weekend Update. Are you still working? with uh, Yeah, Weekend just Update? A, as of this as of this season, I've been a contributor to to uh, Weekend Update. Yeah. So How, have you had jokes make it to air? I have not. <laughs> okay, because I've read so, I've but, read a bunch of the ones that you post on Tumblr that didn't make it, and like I at least when I'm reading them, I find them funnier than the ones that did make it to air. Thank you, and thank you for reading that line I sent to you before the podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I it's kind I, of you. I do. I see when you tweet the link, and I I'll check it out whenever I can or whenever I see it, and I think, wow, that's a lot funnier than what I saw on the weekend. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I'm proud of the stuff I turn in. The nice thing is they do tell me like 
when one gets close or, you know, a table read, this and that. And, and I've had a number get close. So I feel like I'm in the ballpark and uh, it's a fun thing to do and just be a part of. Um, so, you know, <laughs> when and if it happens, it'll be exciting. But in the meantime, it's 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 cool. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you also just did a show at Sketchfest in San Francisco. Was that a yeah. Riff Tracks show then? Or yes. like a live Riff Tracks? Yes, we did. It's a thing. We've done it five times now. It's really fun. It's called uh, Night of the Shorts. And uh, we do, the guys do we, a series of like seven or eight educational shorts. Because, you know, we still do those just like on MST. Um, we find old educational shorts from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and riff those. Um, and what's neat about it, it's in this old theater in the Castro. Uh, the theater's called the Castro, actually, in San Francisco. And uh, it's this huge, cool, old theater with all these this beautiful design. And we have a bunch of different guest stars go up for to accompany the guys riffing the different shorts. So this time we had uh, John Hodgman, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Todd Berry did one, Janet Varney and Cole Stratton, who are the co-founders of Sketchfest and really funny and work with us a lot. So it's a blast to go up there and just do, like, in a live theater, six or seven of these old educational shorts, and uh, it's a good time. Speaking of famous people, do you have any interesting Billy Zane stories? <laughs> well, <laughs> do you ask all your guests that? <laughs> Funny you <laughs> should ask. Yeah, we pretty do. standard question, yeah. Sean. Jeez. Yeah, it's sort of just small talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, <laughs> one time uh, leaving a parking garage after a show with my girlfriend at the time, and she was driving. And she sort of, we were talking, I don't know, pulling out of the parking garage, slams on her brakes, and because this, this guy had stepped out in front of her, and look up, lock eyes with the guy, and it's Billy Zane. <laughs> Just like, you know, not paying attention. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, Mr. Zane. You should have been nicer Mr. to those Zane. people on Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I swear, just a couple of months later, I was at this, just this wine store in LA, and I was in line. And someone walks in and, and cuts in front of me in line, and I look and it's Zane again. It's Billy Zane, and uh, and I'm like, what do I do? You know, I I don't know. I know you know how you know how this town is. You know, like, <laughs> do I speak up to Billy Zane? Do I? You should have finished him, him off the first time. Like, That's right. Yeah, you should have shut him off the first time, I, and then right. you get for letting him walk. Yep. Yeah, the universe was letting me know. But then what was great was, so I'm standing there wondering, the guy who, uh, the guy at the counter comes up and, and he saw what happened. He says, oh, excuse me, sir, you're going to need to go to the back of the line. So Billy Zane has to sheepishly retreat <laughs> to the back of the line. And I, you know, gleefully buy my wine and I'm on my way. So suck it, Zane. I win. <laughs> he didn't recognize you, though. No, yeah. Didn't you... I'd like. To, there's a world where Billy Zane has nightmares, and he's not quite sure why this face keeps popping up <laughs> as he almost dies. <laughs> Who is this bearded man? <laughs> All right, that sound indicates that it is time for the lightning round of Twitter questions. Brent, let's do it. Lightning time. Uh, Sean, what's your favorite Twitter moment? Uh, I had a tweet blow up on my birthday when I was turning 30. Uh, it was really neat. It was the first time I had one get really popular. And, uh, yeah, and Osama bin Laden died. So it was a great occasion. Do you, do you remember the tweet? <laughs> Good time all around. Uh, yeah. Except for bin Laden. Uh, it was, yeah. yeah, it was right after bin Yeah, bad day for it's him. pretty Good insensitive, Mark. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did they really dump the bottom of the ocean or did they give it to you as a gift? 
<laughs> the president called me. He said, "Hey, Sean, that was a great, that was a really great tweet." We can't have been Laudens. Yeah. Uh, no, it was like I don't know. Oh, the, and the fun thing about I was just drunk at a picnic with my friends for my thirtieth birthday, and all of a sudden we get the news that Osama bin Laden had died, and uh, and I made yeah, it's just like oh, and it was right after yeah. So you know, it was like as he was Obama was going up to speak. Uh, you know, anybody else want to see my birth certificate? Drops Mike, walks away. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like I feel like now I don't know the drop mic thing maybe wasn't as played out back then, but uh, but uh, yeah I don't know somehow like again John Hodgman who apparently sponsored me for this podcast uh, saw it and retweeted it and it was I don't know just a little it's memorable because of the event and everything yeah. happening around it I guess. Cool. Uh, who's your favorite tweeter? Ah, uh, man, a lot of great people, uh, but uh, Bridger Weinegar, I think, uh, Bridger underscore W, for anyone who doesn't follow him, you should, he's one of the best, and he's always funny, and a uh, really nice guy, too, but, uh, but uh, just hilarious always, and has his own style that nobody else, if someone's copying him, you can tell, you know, he's got his own style. Who's your biggest <laughs> or neatest follower? In term, yeah, big, uh, probably, uh, Andy Richter uh, was really exciting. And still is, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, still very exciting. Uh, and, uh, and well, I don't know. I'll just say him. Andy Richter. Paul F. Tompkins also. But uh, Andy Richter and Paul F. Tompkins. Nice. Uh, finally, give us one underrated tweeter that you think everybody should be following. I really like Jason Roeder. Uh, that's R-O-E-D-E-R. Um, he's written for a lot of great stuff. He's on The Onion. and uh, He's very uh, funny. Uh, you know, lots of cool stuff. Very funny. Very dry. Very dark, which I like. Yep. Um, quick simple but you know very funny insightful stuff and uh yeah should definitely should definitely have a bigger following than he does i agree all right sean thank you very much for joining us awesome my pleasure guys great talking to you all right this has been tweeters in 12 i'm mark i'm brent and we'll see you next time 